0: Well, hey, everyone, and welcome to Beyond Ethical. My name is Ryan. I'm Emily. And we are your co-hosts uh, for this episode. And today we interviewed Shannon Cohen, who is the uh, creator and founder of Shannon Cohen Incorporated, which does stickers, greeting cards. She's also a writer, a podcaster, a blogger, and kind of all of the above, pretty much. Um, so we hope you enjoyed today's episode.
1: Thank you so much Shannon for joining us today on our episode. Um, I guess if you could first start off by introducing yourself and giving us a high level overview of your company and who you are as a person that'd be great.
2: Awesome thank you Emily and thank you Ryan for having me. So my name and welcome everybody to the podcast. (laughs) I'm so glad to be a guest here at Beyond Ethical. My name is Shannon Cohen. I am the founder and CEO of Shannon Cohen Inc and at the end of the day we what well, we do exceptionally well. Our unique values proposition in the entrepreneurial ecosystem is we curate products, spaces, and experiences that nourish human souls. And so, on the product side of things, we five years ago launched an inspirational product line primarily of greeting cards. We've expanded since then, and um, we started it in the basement of our home. And we, I'm proud to say that we are now in retailers across the country. Last year, we debuted in 1,750 Target stores with a partnership with American Greetings. We also went into 236 Meyer stores. And so um, we are, love that we get to Put products out into the world that nourish people's souls, you know, Mm -hmm. especially in the season of pandemic. I often call our business. We're hope dealers. um, Right. That people may not come into a congregational space, but they're going to go buy Listerine and lipstick and Lunchables. (laughs) And so, you know, my prayer is that when they do, that they'll see some message of inspiration and hope that anchors their hearts Um, on the. So that's the product side. On spaces, um, I'm also a podcaster, so I'm so excited that you all are in season two. I am in (laughs) season three of A Tough Skin Soft Heart Podcast. It's 15 minutes of inspiration and strategy for difference makers like yourselves, people who lead, love, and serve in their homes, in their marketplaces, and in community. It's where we retank and refill so that we are not high functioning and not okay. And so it is all about the emotional well being of leaders. And then with experiences, I am the founder and host of a Rockstar Woman Brunch Experience. It is a conference that has gone global. It started here in Grand Rapids in 2019, and then pandemic happened. And when I thought that I would cancel it, I just went virtual. And now we've grown to serving about 600 women that span Two countries, 21 states, and 121 cities. And so that brings me a lot of joy. I am very passionate about investing in the aspirations,
0: ambition, and wellness of women. Hmm. Yeah, that's nice. I like how you can turn something, as bad as the pandemic was, into, um, I mean, just for you, your business, and then being able to, to serve as kind of like a almost like a landmark for, for people to come to this conference and just listen to what you have to say. And, and like you said, just the hope givers is just such a, mm-hmm. such a thing we need now. And, and not, a, not only our country, but just in the world and everywhere.
2: Yeah. I agree. Ryan. <laughs> absolutely
0: agree. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm just curious. So your podcast, so, um, like how did you start that? How do you about that just, you know, from one podcaster to another. <laughs> yes, from one podcaster to another. You
2: know, when podcasts first came out, um, and I'd be interested in what your audience would say because, you know, you all are um, significantly younger than me, <laughs> but um, podcasts used to be 60 minutes. And I remember, I've always loved podcasts. I think it's a great way for daily investing in your own professional development or your personal development, you know, and um, things that you love. But at the time, I remember my son was really little. He was a toddler. He's eight now. And so it never failed. The podcast, I like to listen to podcasts as I get ready in the morning. So in the shower, that's my time. And I could never get through a full podcast. Mm -hmm. It would be like 30 minutes in. It was getting good. Then bam, here comes the bathroom door opens. Here comes this toddler coming in (laughs) and, and disrupting mommy's quiet time. And so I would just find myself perpetually frustrated that I wasn't going back to tuning in. And so I said, well, I wish there was a, 15 minute podcast, like, you know, I started to see 30 minute podcasts. but I'm like, sometimes all I can give as a, you know, a working mom, an entrepreneurial mom, a founder, sometimes all I have is a 15 minute window for you to give me all you got. (laughs) And I said, well, let me create it. I've always been that type of person that if I didn't see, if I saw a gap and I didn't see in the world what I wanted to receive, Mm -hmm. I put it out there. And so that's what I did. I started a 15 minutes or less (laughs) podcast that was like an inspirational granola bar for the soul. So I say it's it's about the length of time it probably takes to make a good, Cup of coffee, good pot of oatmeal, <laughs> or put on a, like a little cute face, you know, as far as if you wear makeup. But that was my plan, and that's how it started. And so we are now into season three. Nice.
0: Yeah. And what's that called? Just for our, so our viewers that check it out?
2: Yeah, it's Tough Skin, Soft Heart, and okay. like you all were on Apple, Pandora, Spotify, Anchor, all of them. Okay. Yeah. yeah Very really nice. Yeah.
1: That's great. I, if I'm, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but you also have a book, you're an author of a book called Tough Skin, Soft Heart. Is that where your podcast originated from? And if so, could you give us maybe the premise of the book and maybe just like the mission of the podcast, expanding off of the book?
2: Absolutely, Emily. You know, um, I am an author. I've authored two books, um, Tough Skin, Soft Heart, A Leadership Guide to Growing Stronger, Better and Wiser was the first book. Mm -hmm. And that actually started as a blog. Um. It was about the time I had my son. And so around that time, I had won 40 under 40 in our community. The Grand Rapids Business Journal does a 40 under 40. I won the 40 under 40. And that particular night, I remember standing, I don't remember much from that night. I remember the lights at the theater. We were at Civic Theater. I remember standing under those stage lights and all I could think was how exhausted I was. Mm That in this pinnacle moment of, you know, this critical achievement of being honored for my life as a difference maker, I was exhausted. And around that time, I just started to really question leadership. Like, was this leadership? Is this what I signed up for? This state of being in a a place of cyclical burnout. Mm -hmm. And so this was 2014. And so I ended up going on maternity leave with my son. And it's like, what do you do with a workaholic when everything stops? And you have this little human who sleeps a lot and you're used to moving at a thousand miles a minute. I, I've always been a writer. I've always been a journaler. And so I started to write my own reflections. And Emily, in the course of that, I started publishing. So at that time, I wasn't as savvy with like vertical response tools. I just used constant contact and um I said, well, my husband and my mom are going to have to read this because I'm postpartum and y'all better, Um, (laughs) which is my attitude. But um, slowly people started subscribing. And within one year, we grew to 3,000 subscribers. Hmm. And, you know, with those types of tools, you can see who's looking or who's reading. And y'all, I was shocked. I was surprised to see elected leaders that if I called names, you would know them. Um, Heads of businesses reading them. And that's when it clicked. I'm like, we live in a world where if you're delivering metrics and deliverables, if you externally slay, people don't really ask you if you're okay. Mm. That many of the leaders that were in my network and beyond were high functioning. But we weren't, and not well, and see, the generation and the dispensation of leadership that both of you are coming up in, you know, now we're talking about wellness in the workplace. We're talking in the great resignation about people caring about mental health. And, you know, there's employee resource groups now that are totally dedicated, not just to talent from a widget point of view, but talent in the sense of wellness, right? That was not a conversation, not even eight years ago. And so I wrote that blog free, just putting my ideas and creativity out into the world for two years. Hmm. And I started to get invitations to come and speak from it. And so that two years of blogs, I kind of shrunk into my first book wow. and then the
0: podcast. So, yes, that was a great question. Wow. That's great. Yeah. So um, yeah, you said you're on the 40 Under 40 and Grand Rapids and then. Uh, I saw that you're on the 200 Most Powerful um, Business Leaders in West Michigan and then um, Top 50 in Influential Woman um, in West Michigan as well. So can you kind of explain what those titles mean to you and how that you know influences your everyday life and stuff?
2: <laughs> Such a good question. I don't think I've ever gotten that question before, Ryan. So I'm, I'm meditating on that in the moment. You know, I think all of us have influence, right? I think that it used to be when you heard leader, people were looking for a particular title. So only people in C-suite roles were considered the leaders and everyone else was just everyone else. Mm -hmm. Um, But we live in the world where we can make a TikTok in this room and go viral, y'all. Like we can (laughs) still do that. There's still hope for us to do something like that, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think more than ever, influence is about how, for me, how I define it is how you use your life you know what your lived experiences have been your intersectional identities your passion your purpose the things that you feel that god uniquely wired you to do and how are you using that to be a source of light in the earth and i'm really thankful for all of those you know every award and every external accolade that i've received that says you know that what i do makes a difference i i Wake up every day with the intention to live my life as a hope dealer and a difference maker wherever my feet go. Mm.
0: That's good.
1: Wow. You know, I'm so inspired. You seem so passionate and joyful. And it's hard to see or even hear you talk about the cyclical burnout concept that you mentioned before. What was that like for you? And then what was something that you did to get yourself out of that? And what would you do, I guess, moving forward if you ever were in that situation again? Mm,
2: Such good questions. And this is why you're pre-med. Like I love (laughs) it, this is why, this is why. Oh, such a good question. Our bodies are hardwired to give us cues and clues. And we honor cues and clues in every other area of our lives except our bodies right? Like we're right now connected to a Mac computer. At some point, this Mac is going to need to get plugged in and it will tell us by showing the battery life of that Mac. Our cell phones, we charge them. We pay attention. And most of us, if we were to poll the audience that's listening even right now, most of us don't let our phones or our laptops get below 50%. Hmm. But every day we operate these human bodies, even when they're on E, even when we're getting all of the cues and the clues that burnout is there. Like for me, when I know one of the cues that my body gives me when I'm in a place of burnout is my left eye twitches, Mm -hmm. that's a sign for me that there's the stress level in my body. That flutter Mm -hmm. is a sign for me. I've kind of come to learn that. But I think that in the time that I came of age as a young professional, no one was telling you, talking about work life, integration Mm -hmm. it was i was ambitious there's nothing wrong with being ambitious but wins without wellness leave you empty Mm -hmm. and i never i had to learn that baptism by fire and so i'm aware now i am as aware of what's going on in the state of my my heart and my mind and my spirit, that we are triune beings. And I'm as aware of that as I am, you know, the bottom line of Shannon Cohen Inc. And that has taken time to to cultivate within myself. Mm-hmm. And I hope that for both of you and, you know, the folks that are tuning in to Beyond Ethical, that we think about that, you know, that I think they all go together, our aspirations and our ambition, but our wellness is critical. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. that's good stuff. I actually just, um I'm big into, like, reading, like, productivity and, like, um, those kind of, like, not Mm -hmm. self-help, but similar um, business books. And one of the books I just finished, he kind of does very similar what you do. He does leadership training, um, mostly for churches. um, Mm -hmm. But uh, he wrote a book called At Your Best, and he talked about how he was kind of in that cyclical burnout. He would be fine for a week, Mm -hmm. and then he'd kind of try to rest a little. And then, sure enough, next week, he'd be, you know, at the end of his work week, he'd be you know, <laughs> done. Um, so that book was just, you know, it's it's very good that our world is starting to talk about um, you need rest. And honestly, you're less productive when you have less rest. And um, I don't know, I think a lot of the times, like it can be easy with entrepreneurs to be like, oh, like, you know, you got to work as hard as you can to make as much money as you can and be the best. And you totally forget about, you know, what's going on inside. And then you burn out and everything you just did is lost. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's really good that you know, that's being talked about now and started to become more of a common topic. Absolutely. Yeah. I joined a CrossFit studio this year. That's a whole nother podcast. Y'all. Um,
2: but, you know, when, when you think about athletes, they talk in terms of athletes, they talk about preparation, performance and recovery. Mm. And the greatest athletes, those that have leadership longevity in their career, like we're talking about Tom Brady, right? Like the fact that he's retiring mm-hmm. at the age of 44, right? Like it was 20 over 20 years in, in, the industry, in an industry where the average football player has a life cycle of three years. And so you think about the fact that we talk about preparation, performance, and recovery Well, for a lot of entrepreneurs, all we talk about is performance. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And if we don't put those bookends of preparation and recovery there, we live in that space of cyclical burnout. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So
0: I thank you for sharing that book with me. Yeah. It's called At Your Best by Carrie Newhoff. Mm He's very high recommended. (laughs) I appreciate that. I saw that thumbs up too. Y'all didn't see it, but I saw it.
1: (laughs) Awesome. I'm curious and you mentioned this before you know asking someone are you okay or mm. how are you mm. to me that question speaks really a lot of volume um, and especially with genuine curiosity it means a lot so do you practice that in your company and how do you set those guidelines for your employees to also act the same and ask
2: I love it that's such a great question yes we use and especially in a Western context we use how are you as a pleasantry, right? Mm -hmm. It's like saying, how's the weather? (laughs) As I look at snow blow across the window, right? (laughs) We use how are you so passively when it's, we need to reclaim it as an emotional health question. And I love that genuine curiosity that you mentioned, Emily. And so I do, I think the first person that we ask, one of the things I often do when I lead trainings is I ask people, how many people did you ask, how are you today? And people say, oh, 12, 13, 19. Mm. And I'll say, okay. Well, how many of you paused this morning to ask yourself, mm. how are you? Ooh, yeah. I asked the audience, I'm asking all of y'all. And it usually <laughs> it's crickets. <laughs> it is crickets because it's an afterthought. Mm-hmm. It's a, I never thought about that, but you are your own star player. If you aren't checking in with you, who else is and who else knows What's going on behind the veil and under the hood of your life like you? And so I do, I believe it's so important to start our day with asking, how are you? Not with our phones on IG, right? But like, you know, checking in with the state of our souls. Mm -hmm. And then I, so in our staff meetings, when we have team meetings, we always start with the state of your soul question. Mm -hmm. We never just start with the work. We always start with the state of our souls. And I know that kind of makes, business sense for that to be part of our company culture because we curate products, spaces, and experiences that nourish human souls. Mm -hmm. And so if we aren't okay, how can we do that, you know, with our customer base, but they're humans first. Mm -hmm. And not only does it foster camaraderie amongst our team and, and builds that connective tissue that makes us an attractive company to work for, but it also gives us sensitivity. to so whether we're designing, I know you talked about being in marketing, Emily, mm-hmm. that as we're designing marketing and tactics and strategies that we are keeping the humanity of the people that we serve top of mind, starting from the inside out. Now, something else I often see with companies is that they may be in tune with that, with external stakeholders, but not with the people that are internal. Mm-hmm. And we do both. We start from the inside out because we think wellness starts from the inside out.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Right. That's good stuff.
0: Um,
1: <laughs> you talked about, you know, your company provides product services and other stuff as well um, for the soul. What are some of your personal favorite products or services that you um, care <sighs> for yourself or care for your soul?
2: The things that I do or the things that we make? Ooh. <laughs> well, One okay. of both. i little bit both. I'm interested in both. Okay. Oh, this is fun stuff. Mm-hmm. I travel. I love to travel. Like, I, y'all, I don't need another pair of shoes. I don't need another sweater. Maybe because I live in Michigan. Maybe I do need a sweater, but uh, but I love to travel, and I love to like I have a passport. Let's go. I went to study abroad my first, when I was 16, I lived in Japan for three years. I met three years, three months. I studied Japanese for three years, but I just, I've always loved to to travel. So in my family and what we love to do is to go. I think that travel opens up the world. It gives us its vision field trips. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: And it inspires me when I go and I get to submerge myself, submerge myself in other cultures, other communities, how other people live. It just ignites creativity in me, so that is my hobby. I love to travel; mm-hmm. that is that gives me life. Um, I think as far as products, so I'm i I'm a writer. Mm-hmm. I love greeting cards. I love to send you something in the mail, and you know, disrupt the presence of circulars and bills. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. But two years ago, we branched into stickers,
3: oh.
2: and I think that stickers are visual like billboards and they're really cute. Like right now I'm surprised, this is probably the first laptop I've seen that doesn't have <laughs> some stickers on them. But stickers are a way um, that we communicate our values just as much as our clothes. You know, the stickers that we put on our water bottles or the stickers that we put in bumper cars, right? Oh, not bumper cars, but on the bumpers of our cars. Mm-hmm. There we go, that's what I meant to say. <laughs> and so we came up with a whole line of stickers that, and that has been really cool because it's helped us to connect with the younger demographic and so some of our stickers say things like girl you have greatness in your bones or believe and invest in the possibility of you. Another one of our stickers which this may speak to the beyond ethical audience, it says you are the first angel investor your dream will ever see. Mm-hmm. And that's one of my favorites because I think that speaks to folks that have that startup energy within them and they have an idea that they want to move, you know, move from ideation to implementation. So that's probably one of the things that I love the most, Emily. That we are curating right now, and our sticker price point is four dollars. So it's accessible inspiration. It's accessible to anyone, and I love it. Mm, yeah, that's
1: great. Um, quick question, I guess. A plug for your stickers. Where can someone buy or find your stickers?
2: Yes, you can find them at shannoncohen.com. Of course, in our shop there, we have products at bridge street market at horrocks locally um we have products at we'll actually be going back into target stores for mother's day so look for oh, nice. that we'll be on in caps at target starting march 20th through mother's day so yeah wow
1: that's so exciting okay yeah. you heard
0: it first year people yes. <laughs> yes. You go to yes. everywhere
1: you have no excuse to not get a shannon cohen sticker
0: now so. yes awesome it's yeah. crazy when i think back um I don't know, five years ago, like no one used stickers. Right. And now it's like everywhere. Water bottles, cars, like mm-hmm. you said, um, even like refrigerators. Mm-hmm. There's stickers Backpacks, on. like they're like, yeah. the thing. <laughs> yeah.
2: And it's really interesting because we used to think stickers were for kids, right? Mm-hmm. Like my eight-year-old, of course, they're like, there's stickers all over his like bedroom door, but stickers are for all of us. We all need those visual reminders, those visual pep talks, mm-hmm of what we believe or who we are that anchor us in our identity and they're conversation starters. There are times when I, because maybe because I manufacture stickers, if I see someone with a cute sticker or something, I'm like, hey, can I take a picture of that? You know, (laughs) people are like, okay, sure. Uh, So yeah, I
0: love stickers. Yeah, yeah. So um, could you tell us more about your path from, well, I mean, guess living in Japan to your path towards entrepreneurship? And then along with that, what, what advice you would give to I don't know, young college-aged or you know, younger entrepreneurs. Oh wow, that's a whole path, right?
2: Like you wanna <laughs> hang out. Just <laughs> hang out. Like this <laughs> so will be our new hangout. I would say I'm trying to think of how to streamline that path. I wanna remind the beyond ethical audience of college students that are different places in their journey that don't expect success to be linear. Like, that's a whole mic drop. I wish I could just take up the (laughs) mic and like drop it on the floor. Don't expect it to be linear. Most things in life are not. Even though you go to school and you, you know, you get your degree. I'll tell y'all. Okay, this is the we're really talking now. My (laughs) undergraduate degree is in political science and international relations. I double majored. And then my master's degree is in nonprofit administration and public administration. I did not major in business. I repeat to your audience, I did not major in business, but I think things are not linear, right? We are living in a world where folks that are visible, valuable, and vocal, whether you choose to be an entrepreneur. I-N-T-R-A, where you are taking an entrepreneurial mindset and investing that into an existing infrastructure system organization institution, or if you're an entrepreneur where you just launch out into the deep and bring your own idea to life, I think that the people that are visible, valuable, and vocal in their industry are folks that can monetize all the things that they're good at. Like, y'all didn't see him. I think his name is Denny. Denny, if you're listening, like, you're dope. Like, Denny came in and just set us up with IT, took, like, the best picture of us, and went on about his way. I know 10 folks right now that would hire Denny. <laughs>
1: Denny, right? your job calling Right?
2: Time. Okay, Denny, call me. Like, really, because we... To be someone, and, and quite honestly, Denny might be just like, hey, I'm just techie, but I don't, that might not be, he might be going to school for education, right? But if he, if you're good at something, who you don't need a degree to monetize it.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And so some of the things that we've learned, if I can say this and be invited back, some <laughs> things we have to unlearn. Mm-hmm. We have to unlearn that just because I'm doing one thing, that that's the only thing that I can do. And that's my only pathway. Right. Mm-hmm. There are
1: many pathways. Mm-hmm.
2: That's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: You know, that's so interesting. That reminds me of a concept here at Calvin. We have Unlearn Week, which is mm. a week dedicated to unlearning all the racial biases we have, or just biases in general towards specific communities here, like LGBTQ, um, ec- like economically. Um, Yeah, like religiously, all this stuff. And I'm curious for you as a woman in the industry, also as a woman of color, could you speak Mm -hmm. to maybe some of the struggles or challenges you've faced and how
2: you've overcome those? Yes, that's such a great and socially conscious question. And I'm glad you're asking that, Emily. I posted something on my LinkedIn this week, especially given the fact that right now we're honoring both Black History Month as well as the Lunar New Year. Right now, at, since there's a, an organization called Digital Undivided that tracks business advancement specifically for Black and Latinx women, um, and one of the things that they posted is that since 2009, so I shudder to think about what it was before 2009, and someone was actually tracking it. It's a data project that you can research called Project Diane with Digital Undivided, and it found that Black women founders only received point zero six percent of venture capital funding wow wow that's less than one percent
3: mm-hmm.
2: for folks that are tithers imagine ten percent <laughs> yes and now go all the way down to point six percent so that means that for most folks that look like me they're bootstrapping businesses now we hear these terms about bootstraps but What venture capital allows folks to do is to go to the market faster and further because you get this influx of capital. It means somebody believes in your ideas, wants to invest in your ideas, and then you get this influx of not just capital, but access to networks Mm
3: -hmm.
2: because we understand that business is absolutely relational. And so you have people that have great ideas, but because of a variety of both systemic, institutional, and then real individual barriers and biases, they can't access the capital to take their ideas to market. But I'll ask you both, the fastest growing demographic of entrepreneurs are, do you know? I
1: actually don't know.
2: It's women of color, specifically black women. Wow. Wow. And 50% of all women-owned businesses are owned by women of color. So yet 50% are owned by them, but they're only getting 0.6% of venture capital funds. So that means that people are, you know, and so I think that there's something that has to happen in our entrepreneurial ecosystem where we have to be aware Mm -hmm. of those ways in which there are invisible walls and ceilings and floors that impair some and propel others. Mm -hmm. And we have to do our part in the positions of power that we have to
0: address that. Yeah, Yeah. thank you for answering that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, All right. So what would you say, I know on your website, you say you lead with a, what is that, truth plus heart or heart plus? Head and heart. heart. Yes. There you go. Mm -hmm. So would would you consider that your life motto or or something that you kind of ground yourself on or is there something else? Great
2: question. I've never thought about it in terms of a life motto, to be honest, Ryan, but I do think that I am both. There was a time when in business, they was, people would say, there's no space for feelings in business, mm-hmm. feelings, like, <laughs> ha, 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 what are those? But there is absolutely, when we look at marketing trends, when we look at the science of consumer emotion, right. the brands that we remember and that we patronize connect to something, we feel something that propels us to use them over a competitor brand. Mm-hmm. And so I am a head and heart thinker. When I come into a space, I bring both head and heart. Mm-hmm. You've probably heard that. I can switch between data and analytics to the state of our soul very ambidextrously because i that's just who I am. Mm-hmm. So I had to reclaim the fact that being wired that way was not a deficit, it was my competitive advantage. Mm-hmm. Right really oh, get
1: the best of both worlds. Yeah, both. <laughs> Absolutely. nice. I'm very interested. So you've had all these previous accolades before, and I'm sure you will get many more in the future. Um, but how do you stay humble amidst all of your achievement and accomplishment?
2: Great question. There are so many thoughts that are coming to my mind that I'm trying to <laughs> sort and sift them. I think the first for me is I come from a family. My grandparents were pastors. So I'm not a PK, I'm like a PGK. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a preacher's grandkid. I remember, and my grandparents were also entrepreneurs. So in the city of Detroit, they owned an auto collision shop on the west side of the city. Mm. They were the first entrepreneurs I knew. As a matter of fact, they started their business after the age of 40. So my mother, all of their children were grown And my grandfather had pumped gas back when there were full service gas stations and someone would actually come to pump your car. He did that for multiple years and kind of worked his way up in an auto collision space and finally decided to open his own. And so my grandparents, their auto collision shop was on the west side of the city of Detroit, and they would intentionally hire men that had returned to the community that had been impacted by Agent Orange in the Vietnam War. So in the Vietnam War, they had used chemical warfare through these, you know, spraying, if you think about like a crop spray. Mm -hmm. And there were men that were drafted as young men, 18, 19, younger than both of you, fought in Vietnam War, experienced PTSD and other realities connected to being exposed to these chemicals. And then were deemed unemployable when they came back into their communities. Mm -hmm. And so my grandparents were really intentional about hiring people that lived within walking distance of their auto collision shop. So that to say you are employable, you you were extracted from this community forcibly, fought valiantly, and then discarded when you returned home and they wanted to do something about it. So that was their faith in motion. So watching their example, I always which is probably that life model question. Maybe that's that connection for me, Ryan, is that strength is for service and not for status. That's what keeps me humble. I realize that the gifts that God has given me, you know, as a Christ follower, I am always reminded of Matthew chapter five, that we are supposed to be light in the earth. Mm -hmm. We're supposed to be light we're supposed to be light, and, and when people absorb or receive or glean from experience that light, that it should draw them to the God that is the source of the light, right? Mm-hmm. And so I that's what I try to live by, Emily. Remembering that my strength is for service. If status comes with it, then that status is for service. That's for me to leverage my influence to do something that's bigger than me.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I'm also real clear that what goes up can come down. Like the, the same people that clap can throw stuff too, right? And so I've never, it, I, I keep it, I take it with a grain of salt.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah, I, I like how, I really admire how you, um, yeah, what well, you brought up the the Matthew verse and just throughout our whole conversation, just keeping God at the center point and, and knowing that, like you said, like, um, well, there's that verse in Job is like, you know, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I'll return and, you know, it's like everything that you have here, as great as mm-hmm. it is, can can vanish mm-hmm. in a second. So it's, it, yes. um, yeah, just keeping that kind of at the, the center of everything and knowing that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, while well, that kind of stuff is great here, it's eventually will go away and you can't uh, let that get to your head. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And that's good stuff. I'm sorry. Y'all hear me firing <laughs> Ryan's terms? I love it. <laughs> that's
2: good. It's
1: good. I have another, just this is a fun question. You said you love traveling. Where is your favorite place you've
2: been to? Oh, such a good question. <laughs> I feel like I have so much more of the world to see. Mm-hmm. So I'll tell a fun story, then. since you asked me that question, Emily. When we were getting married, I got married. I, I don't even know if it's considered being older. My husband and I met in college, our first year of college. Mm-hmm. We liked each other, but he never pulled the trigger to ask me all oh, of the things. <laughs> we just kept smiling at each other. So we've <laughs> known each other since we were 17 and 18. Mm-hmm. And didn't and we got married at 30 and 31 so didn't start dating until we were late in our late 20s and we were planning a traditional wedding and paying for it and we were both in grad school at the time and I don't know if anybody has ever paid for their own wedding but <laughs> word on the street y'all this is this expensive <laughs> it is expensive and so we I remember one day we just we were on a date and I looked at my husband and I was like, I don't know if I wanna do this anymore. Like this is really expensive, you know, especially the reception, that's where you spend most of the money. And so at that time, TLC had a TV show called Destination Weddings. This is so, so dating us. And so I used <laughs> to love to watch this show where folks would go to a different part of the world and they would get married and it would be these beautiful natural environmental scapes. I'm like, like, babe, what if we did this? And he's like, our families will never go for it. I'm like, but we're <laughs> paying for it, right? So they have to go for it. So long story short, We ended up having a really small ceremony um, outside at our church, and we didn't tell our family at all. (laughs) And then we ended up doing a destination wedding in the Riviera Maya Wow. Um, and so the year that we got married was when it was swine flu. I don't know if y'all remember swine oh, flu remember a little it bit. very well. Sw- it's so great. Yes, swine it wiped flu. out everyone. And so I, and which is funny because when COVID first happened, I said, oh, that's just going to be like the swine flu. Oh. I was so wrong. <laughs> so wrong. Um, and so we got married in 2000 and this year's 13 years. So 2009, we got married. And So because of swine flu, which it dissipated by, we got married in August, swine flu was like January, kind of dissipated by May, but people were afraid to fly. Mm -hmm. So the resort that we were getting married at, they were giving away these crazy big discounts. So we were married at a five-star all-inclusive resort in the Riviera Maya. And then we, so we were there for 10 days with family. We had about 35 of our family and friends come with us. We flew back to the States went to Atlanta and then we went to Barcelona. Jeez. <laughs> and we went to Barcelona. We're, in college, we're college kids, y'all. So we went to Barcelona and we left from Barcelona and we went on a Mediterranean cruise for a week. And we came back. So all together for our, for everything, we spent $8,000 because nobody was flying. So we had the best of everything. We went to Italy. It was great. And so I laughed because I'm like, I don't know if we would ever, if that would ever happen again. But it was wonderful. It was, you know, because I know people that pay $8,000 for a dress or, you know, you can't do a wedding. But literally all of our travel, two and a half weeks of travel, everything that was connected to us having our um, wedding was $8,000. Wow. That is truly amazing. Yeah. That's yeah. Impressive. <laughs> yes. It was cool. It was cool. Yeah. Yay, swine flu. <laughs> but no, really, that was like it was it was the right, right thing for us to do. So that's a note to anyone that's listening. If you're getting married and there's a lot of family pressure, sometimes you have to be a disruptor. <laughs>
0: yeah. Just
2: don't let your parents hear this episode. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, yeah. I guess we have we can wrap up with our final two questions that we ask all of our guests. So the first one would be. Um, I guess our culture kind of defines success as, you know, most money, biggest house, you know, nicest car. But um, what does success mean to you and how do you implement that in your daily life?
2: I probably would have answered this question differently in different seasons of my life. I think what success looks like to you evolves is you evolve. Mm-hmm. A few weeks ago, my son told me out the blue, he said, Mom, I'm, I don't want to be an employee. I'm going to be an employer. And he just turned eight on January 24th. And so, wow. <laughs> um, yeah, like, right. And like he's, he has these clear visions of what he's going to be. And I do know that gifts flow through families. We see that even in scripture, people, there were gifts that flow through families. And so I what success looks like for me right now is he. that's what he said and saw about himself. So I want to invest in that glimpse of purpose. I want I take him with me everywhere. If he wasn't in school, he would be here with me because I think that gifts flow through families. And I want him to be able, he has a front seat to it all. He's seen all of the wins. He's seen the setbacks. He's seen the dark places. He's seen the mountaintops. And I hope that my prayer always is that it helps him to soar further and faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like That's that. awesome.
1: yeah. Yeah. And I guess to wrap up our final question that we asked all our guests is what does redemptive entrepreneurship mean to you?
2: Yeah. I love that question. And I can't package it this way because a lot of what we do, we take uh, kingdom messages and we take it into secular spaces. But I often say that I take the throne room into the Mm boardroom, that that is what I do every day with the companies that I have the opportunity to work with. Like I mentioned before, there are many um, people with positional power that I network with and work with that are never going to walk into a chapel, a, a church, a synagogue, a mosque, they're never going to go into a traditional space of faith, mm-hmm. but they'll go to the grocery store. They'll go mm-hmm. to work, right? And so i that's what I see my life and my business to do is that we're supposed to be light bearers and hope dealers in places where there might not be a lot of light. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today on our episode and please go check out her podcast, Tough Skin, Soft Heart. Um, yeah, no, I, I just enjoyed our conversation so much and you're such a beautiful person inside oh, and out. So thank,
2: thank you, you again for joining thank us. Thank you for having yeah. me. This was a gift. It has been a bright spot in my day and I'm just really grateful for both of you for even having this podcast. Mm-hmm. Man, that's so dope. I just think <laughs> it's so, so great. I, I really, really do. And I just, I'm excited to see where your gifts take you and what you're going to do beyond
0: this so this is great for sure yeah yeah thanks again for your time and uh being able to share all the wisdom that you that you bring to the table thank you all righty well hey everyone welcome
1: back um we hope you enjoyed today's episode with shannon she was such a light and it was an honor to speak with her Um, Just to recap, I think my favorite part of the episode and our conversation was when she said strength is for service and not for status. I think in a world of entrepreneurs, especially in business and honestly just any career, um, we have become so focused on climbing the ladder of success, on the promotion on the increased payroll. And so I think for her to say that at the end of everything, all we're here for is just truly serving other people, um, was a great reminder, not to me just personally, but I hope to you guys as well. Um, and yeah, and I love how she's talked about strength in general and just focusing on the soul. That meant a lot to me and you know, asking other people, are you okay? How are you today? And doing so with intention, um, that was just another great reminder. And so I hope you guys can walk away with some of these takeaways and that um, you can implement what she said
0: and take it to heart. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And there were so many times in that, just our whole conversation, I was just like, I didn't know what to say because I was just so taken in, taken aback by what she says. I was like, oh, like, that, that's a really good point. I never really thought about it that way before. Um, so I definitely agree with that. And I think my favorite part, um, I, I like how she said success isn't linear because usually the, the phrase is the journey's not linear, mm-hmm. there's ups and downs. But, well, success is part of the journey, success is linear, too. Like she said, there's highs, there's lows, there's mountain mountaintops. Um, and I think that's such a uh, good thing to keep uh, a thought on, is because you think, like, oh, I already hit, like she said, she had 3,000 subscribers on her blog. And that's like, oh, a peak, you know, and then there's still more to go after that. But there's also going to be a time where maybe she writes an article that maybe doesn't reach as much, and that drops. But that's not the end. Um, so I just like how she said, you know, like it's not, the journey's not linear, but success also isn't linear. There's going to be times where you make less money in February than you do in January. And that's part of entrepreneur. And I, I really, again, I really admired how much she kept God at the center of everything. Um, and just, you know, like came back, like even when she was explaining all of her awards, like it goes out saying that she's like super humble and, um, yeah, obviously like that's she kept saying, like, you know, be hey, the light of the world is all the earth. So it's like um, just being able to talk to an entrepreneur who's doing so much for our community, so much for the health, like, well-being of people and just being, um, you know, Christ-like-minded and, and focused on what really matters. That it just really spoke to me, and I hope it spoke to her. Mm-hmm.
1: Alrighty, guys. Well, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for joining in, and stay tuned for our next episode. Bye. Bye.